Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And you might have noticed we sounded a little bit different last week. Perhaps. No explanation. <laughs> no, uh, last episode, we were not again. Rebecca and Alan took over for us for our April Fool's Day episode, and we super appreciate collaborating with them. They're just a delight. So please go listen to their podcast. It's not again with an exclamation point, and you'll know you found it when you find the remote controls with Fruity Pebbles, which we don't have in Canada. So it's definitely not us. We don't have Fruity Pebbles? I don't think so. See, so I watch a lot of this uh, show called Mythical Kitchen on YouTube, which is not a sponsor. That's a funny joke to people who watch. (laughs) And they talk about Fruity Pebbles a lot, and I thought it was like a real thing, but apparently I was like, oh, I just, I haven't had it because I don't like Fruit Loops and stuff, you know? Like, I mean, it's a real thing in the way that the White House is a real thing. Like, it's fully a real thing. We just don't right. have it in Canada. Yeah, so therefore it's not real. That's how that works. Sure. It's real in the way that honor with no you is real. Yeah. Oh, gosh. American spelling and wordle just fucks me up. <laughs> but yeah, we were on Not Again podcast and we covered Snow White and Beauty and the Beast. We did. And they covered The Heart of Darkness, which we didn't want to do. So it turned out perfectly. We really didn't. Yeah. Don't like that. Zero out of ten. They won me over a little bit, but no, I still don't like it because counterpoint, this is a direct quote from the book. Oh, these months. Well, never mind. Various things happened. Trash. (laughs) But also, that's how the past two years have felt. So fair. Oh, these years. Oh, these indeterminate times. So if you are interested in Disney comparative essays, you can find our episode from April 1st over on their feed. We had fun. Yeah. And you should listen to the rest of it because I do. Also, Rebecca made some great points about Shakespeare being super racist. Well, that's a fucking segue, Chantel. Thank you so much. And we still read him. And you know what today is? Today is perhaps the best example of Shakespeare being super racist and yet we're still reading him. One of the two main ones, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to open up with blanket statement of content warnings for anti-Semitism and bodily harm and we're reading The Merchant of Venice. Mm. It's going to be a time. And uh, if you are emotionally sensitive right now, oh boy, maybe don't. (laughs) Yeah, maybe take a break, come away with us for the summer. So Merchant of Venice, if you've not read it, we will give a plot summary, but I feel like I should give some context for why the heck this thing is so racist first. Right. Yeah, fair. The main conflict in the play is between our main Christian character, Antonio, and a Jewish character named Shylock. And there are a lot of stereotypes, and there is a historical reason for that. Oh, is this a history podcast now? I say enthusiastically trying to make jokes before we get into weird stuff. <laughs> this is a history History podcast now. Just like citation, I guess. This is plagiarized from our professor. Basically, around the 11th century to the turn of the 13th century, Jews were just not allowed to own property in England. They just weren't allowed. Because racism. Because racism. So that's already racism. And most of the official jobs where someone could make a good living were through the Christian church. So also racism. And there was feudalism going on where, you know, peasants were peasanting and then giving stuff. Classism. And classism. Um, And also that was pretty Christian, I think. So also racism. Yeah. yeah. So Jewish people really had no options to make money other than the one thing they were allowed to do, which was money lending. 
basically they were just loan sharks. They were like early payday loan places. But okay, so I want to explain this for, for people. They weren't loan sharks in how we think about loan sharks now. You know, you hear the term loan shark and you're like, uh, people who take advantage of people. And it's like they were doing this as a means to survive. Yes. And there was a gap in the economy where people needed people doing this because they didn't really have banks. They needed money. And the Christian church strictly forbade people from doing this. They called it usury. Yes, because it's a sin. Such a sin. So people needed these Jewish moneylenders who were only allowed to do money lending and nothing else, but they resented them because A, they, they considered it a sin, and, and mostly B, borrowing money meant eventually they had to pay the money back. And they did not want to do that. And so Jews got this reputation for being greedy and like money hungry and stuff, which was not the case, but you can still see it prevailing in media today. Oh, like that J.K. Rowling goblin. Oh, freaking. Oh my God. I cannot believe she put a star of David on the floor of Gringotts Bank. Can you believe Remember when for like five seconds we thought that J.K. Rowling was like a normal and good person? Remember when they were like, she's a billionaire, but she gives all her money away. And I was like, oh, cool. And then she opened her mouth. Yeah. Anyway, lots of anti-Semitism everywhere. Everywhere. It's usually coded, but it's usually not coded that well. Yeah. Meanwhile, the king of England was spending money over here like Mr. Moneybags. And eventually he needed more money to fund his country i guess colonialism i want to make sure we hit all the isms well no not yet because it's only like 1290 well it's still imperialism imperialism yes the irish would like a word so he was like what to do what to do there's no banks and money lending is disallowed from the church so he's like what to do i know i'll borrow money from the only people lending it who are the jewish people who aren't allowed to do anything else so he went to them and the thing about being a loan shark is that you need leverage to get people to pay their loans back yeah so you need to be able to proverbially bust a kneecap you know yeah but you can't bust the king's kneecap well i mean you can you just should really should not you also can't say no to the king so all these poor people were like i guess you can borrow money until they exhausted all their resources and then they were like hey could you maybe pay some of the money back and the king was like no also I'm going to immediately kick all Jewish people out of England. So he did that. He planned that and all Jewish people were sent to continental Europe the same year and they were not allowed back for the next 350 years. They came back, or I guess they started coming back in 1657. Shakespeare lived around the end of that expulsion period. So when Shakespeare was writing this, there hadn't been any Jewish people in England for like 300 years. He only knew stories and stereotypes. In all probability, he had never met a Jewish person. He would never meet a Jewish person. So when he sets a play in continental Europe about a Jewish person, what does he write it about? The only thing he knows, usury. So the play's about a money lender and someone who owes money. Yeah, they didn't have Google to like learn things properly and educate themselves. So they had to just go on the common knowledge. Not like people do that now anyway. No, well, you know, we can think better of people um, nowadays sometimes when they try some people so a plot rundown of the merchant of venice i'm gonna be referencing the 2004 movie adaptation because that's what i watched you can find it for free on youtube if you want to watch it i actually thought it was pretty good and it's pretty faithful so in the play we've got 
Antonio. He is a merchant, a merchant of Venice, and he's approached by his friend Bassanio. Bassanio is, I guess, a romantic, but he kind of seems like he's a get-rich-quick scheme kind of guy also. And he wants to win the hand of Portia, who is this beautiful and wealthy, highlight wealthy woman who lives in the town of Belmont. Yeah, Portia is money bags. Portia is money bags like the king wanted to be. Bassanio has no money, on the other hand. So he asks Antonio for a loan to get him to Belmont and like looking presentable and stuff. Yeah. Antonio's money is all tied up in ships that have been sent to various places. So he has no money. So he lends Bassanio his credit. He doesn't have a credit card, but he's basically like, I'll co-sign a loan for you. Like credit was still a thing. Yeah. So Bassanio goes to Shylock, who says he will offer Antonio a gesture of friendship by lending him 3,000 ducats that Bassanio needs. But if he can't pay it back, Shylock will take a pound of Antonio's flesh as payment. Shylock be making some good points here because it's easy to miss what he's talking about if you're just like kind of skimming the play. But if you're watching the movie, you can see what's going on. And he points out what a racist douche nozzle Antonio has been. And oh boy, has he ever. He says, you spat in my face and you called me a dog for lending money. And now you come to me when you need money. And in the movie, you actually see like a pre-movie scene. It's like the first thing you see is Antonio spitting in Shylock's face. Right. And people like throwing money lenders off bridges and being like, usury is a sin. So it's really bad. Antonio pretty much gets everything he deserves, in my opinion, after this. Bassanio is like, Antonio, no. But Antonio is like, Antonio, yes. <laughs> he signs the loan and he's like, my ships will be back well before the loan is due. It's due in three months. My ships will be back in two. It'll be fine. From here, we have two kind of co-happening plots. On one side, we've got Bassanio and his gang, his little gang. He's got two friends named Lorenzo and Graziano, and they all go to Belmont. Lorenzo brings Shylock's daughter, Jessica, who he's shacked up with after she decided to run away and convert to Christianity because Shakespeare's racist. And Graziano is, I guess, just a ladies' man. And he's like all smooth and everyone knows he's got this reputation for being such a smooth, lazy sand. And he goes to Bassanio and he's like, hey, can I come to Belmont with you? And um, Bassanio's like, yeah, but you can't be such a smooth ladies man because I don't want people to doubt my intentions. Except in the movie, it's just the guy who plays Colin Frizzle from Love Actually. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's just Colin Frizzle. It's Colin Frizzle and he's got a big knob. Jesus Christ. That's the scene I was picturing when he was going to Belmont. And that's basically what he does. That's a typecast if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I've decided. It's very good. Over in Belmont, Portia and her ladies maid Nerissa are fielding all these suitors. Portia's dad has set up this kind of contest for someone to win her hand. Yeah, because he died. Yes, he died. And in his will, he was like, I don't want my daughter to have any free will. So all her suitors have to pick from these three caskets and she cannot say no or yes to them. It's just purely based on what they decide. Yeah, it's like Eastern custom. Um, I'm not quite sure which Eastern culture does this, but they put like various things in front of a child and what they pick is their like life value or whatever going forward. <laughs> it's like what do they value the most? So they put like money, they put like food and like something else and like what you pick represents your inherent values or whatever, which is interesting. They're toddlers, but it's interesting. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's fun. This isn't fun. 
because he's like no. sphinx riddling her future yeah this is the opposite of fun so there's three caskets they get to pick from there's one from gold can we explain that caskets are boxes the caskets are boxes <laughs> they're just boxes because when i first read it i was like is her dad in the correct casket oh my god no there's no bodies in the casket they're just like chests yeah they're like treasure chests i want to put that there for people that's a good point. They've each got a little like riddle line on top. So the gold one's like, if picked, I will give you what many men desire. And the silver one's like, I will give the chooser whatever he deserves. And then there's another one of lead that's like, the chooser will need to risk everything he has. Because of lead poisoning. Well, yes. <laughs> we see two suitors pick the silver and the gold before Bassanio and they just get roasted. So we know which one is the right one. One of the suitors talks a lot about his complexion and like he hopes he won't be judged for his complexion and is all he talks about and it feels super racist that Shakespeare wrote him like that with like no other personality except his skin. Well, you know, he made Othello an angry black man, so. Yes, Shakespeare's a racist dude. Yeah, or woman. Then Bassanio comes and Portia is like, oh no, all my undergarments have already flown across the room. I'm so in love with you already for some <laughs> reason. Like the second she sees him and she's like, oh, I wish I could tell you what box to pick. It's mine. And he's like, <laughs> that's okay, I'll just pick. And he picks the lead one and she's super jazzed about it yeah well they sing a ditty for him to pick the lead one do they yeah it's in the play but i don't know if it's in like it's not in the movie in the movie but there's like music in the background or whatever that's basically like pick the lead one pick the lead one with like <laughs> riddles also it's basically going ah 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 you know the entire time i do that's pretty good yeah there's no music in this mm. he just has this philosophical little chat over the boxes somewhere in the four minutes when he was doing this nerissa and graziano fell in love and decided to get married for some reason well yeah i mean graziano was probably like hey and she was like hey and then that happened oh you're from england <laughs> except you're from venice meanwhile back in venice Shylock is growing more and more jaded because his daughter left him because Shakespeare decided that she was going to and now he's all alone and she also ran off with one of the people who's been super racist to Shylock this whole time and that's not good either. Yeah and like she ran off with like his wife's ring and like a bunch of other stuff. Shylock lost his wife and now he lost his daughter because of course he has to lose everything because he's a Jewish man. Uh, he has this speech that's super famous about how anti-semitism is dumb and for a second you're like, whoa, is Shakespeare trying to like do something here? Is Shakespeare trying to be like anti-anti-Semitist? Semitist? <laughs> and he's like, if you cut us, do we not bleed and stuff? Like, are we not the same on the inside? And nope. He immediately goes back on all of that and just starts being racist again. Yeah. Antonio's ships all got pirated or sunk or whatever, and he doesn't make his loan deadline. So he writes to Bassiano to say goodbye and say that their debt is cleared. And of course, Bassanio... Did I say Bassiano? Yeah, but I was letting it go because of my dyslexia. <laughs> letting it slide. I was like, Bassiano, that sounds right. Yeah, that's Italian. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> so Bassanio is like, um, hell no. So he goes to Venice with Graziano. And they also get married really quick to their wives at the yep. church, like in three seconds. And we don't really see it. They're like, marriage, done. Marriage, Venice. Portia yep. and Nerissa, mysterious 
mysteriously head off right after them. I wonder what they're doing. The next thing we see in Venice is the trial. Shylock is trying to claim his pound of flesh. Antonio seems pretty resigned that he will claim the pound of flesh, but all the other Christian people are like, no, he can't possibly claim the pound of flesh, even though he has a written contract that says that he can. And can I be gross for a second? Mm. Humans weigh a lot of pounds. Yeah. How much really is a pound of flesh? Well, are we talking just skin or fat? Because like I, I could, I could lose a pound of flesh. <laughs> the thing is, is that Shylock specifically wrote in he could claim a pound of flesh from whatever part of the body he wanted. Right. And he picked the heart. So he's right. basically going to cut out his heart. Right. Super gross sidebars. But so, yes, the Catholics are clutching their, their pearls. They're yeah. like, yada, yada, yada. We're doing trial stuff. Yeah. So Bassanio and Graziano show up and they're like, here's 6,000 ducats. His debt is paid. That's double the amount for starters. And Shalak's like, no, he had three months to pay off 3,000 ducats. So now he hasn't. And I want to collect my bond, which is his pound of flesh. Because, you know, Antonio's been a huge douche nozzle to him this whole time and he kind of understandably wants revenge yeah i mean i think there's a lot of precedence here for shylock being angry at antonio yeah he takes it a little far but that's because shakespeare wrote him like that also think of the drama think of the drama and he's like if each of these ducats was six ducats i still wouldn't like it so if there were like thirty-six thousand ducats i would still want my pound of flesh then this clerk who looks a lot like Nerissa shows up and she's like, oh, I have brought this learned scholar who happens to look a lot like Portia. It's Nerissa and Portia cross-dressing. I <gasps> love that, Amy. Surprise. Yeah, so here's the thing. When we agreed to do this play, I was like, I think I have an essay about this. Go through all my essays. Can't find it. Realize I didn't write about Portia because I thought she was a big meanie. Oh, no. And she wasn't as cool as everybody else. She used her cross-dressing for like really nefarious reasons. <sighs> Yeah, we'll get there. She did something good, but then she did something bad. She could have stopped when she was ahead and she didn't. Yes, she sure could have. Also, their husbands don't recognize them because they're the dumbest people in the world. Because they met them yesterday. That's true. So Antonio chats to the dudes, Graziano and Bassanio, and he's like, while this is all going on, how did it go in Belmont? You know, like, was it worth it for me to risk my life for you to go get this chick? Basically, did you did you get some did you get some and Bassanio's like yeah I got some some money <laughs> but he's like really romantic about it and he's like oh I have a wife who's dearer to me than life itself and Antonio's like good because that's what it cost and um <laughs> Portia's like, sitting there like ah that's so cute <laughs> they're like smirk emoji well these guys are extolling their virtues then Portia tries a few tactics to save Antonio because you know it's her husband's friend and he's the reason that she met her husband who she loves so much for some reason even though she just met him yesterday she's got this long speech about mercy that is apparently very famous but I watched the movie two days ago and I already don't remember anything about it and yet we remember that some are born greatness <laughs> and some have it thrust upon them some have it thrust upon them and it's not just because Channing Tatum was excellent Sherlock is not interested in this mercy speech and neither am I so I get it so she's like I mean do you have scales to weigh the flesh? She's like, yeah, I have scales. She's like, ah, drat. She's like, I guess the law has to allow this because the law allows a debtor to collect his bond under any circumstances. And then Antonio's like,
like freaking out and he faints and then Shylock's about to make a cut and she's like wait and he stops and she's like the bond allows you to collect flesh but no blood so if you spill one drop of Christian blood which is an unnecessary addition to that sentence all your possessions will be seized and he's like okay I'll take the I'll take the 6,000 ducats deal then I guess so see you later and she's like no no you wanted your bond you said no to the 6,000 ducats you have to collect your bond now you have to take the flesh without spilling one drop of blood and he's kind of looking at her like sure ah whatever man then she's like by the way we have this scale and if you cut a little bit more or a little bit less than one pound of flesh your life is also on the line so he starts to slink away because obviously he can't do this he's gonna get nothing you get nothing you lose Good day, sir. And she's like, wait, again. She should have stopped here. This is where she should have stopped. Yeah, this would have been enough. And this is the reason why I don't like Portia. Because that would have been enough. That was definitely enough. It's her hubris that really, like, turns me off of her, I think. One thing that Portia has is the absolute audacity, you know? Yeah, she's a big meanie. So she's like, wait again. You've made an attempt on a citizen's life, so your possessions also get seized for doing that. And your life is now on the line. Half of your possessions will go to the state, half will go to Antonio and the state gets to decide if you live or die and the state's like ah you can live ha 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 because you have nothing now and you will not want to be alive and he's like can you not spare my life though because I literally have no way of doing anything or living mm -hmm. and Antonio's like ah oh, I'll have some mercy here's where Antonio's a douche nozzle again yeah because Antonio also could have stopped while he was ahead Antonio's yeah. like no we'll let him keep his money and his life but we'll put it in a trust and we'll give it to Lorenzo, who is the guy who ran away with his daughter and converted her to Christianity. Shylock doesn't want him to get it, obviously. So that's already like salt in the wound. So that would have been enough. Mm -hmm. He spared his life. He got a little bit of revenge. That would have been enough. No. Then he's like, and Shylock has to convert to Christianity. Not necessary. No. This is where they really super lose me because he's just doing it to be a dick. Yeah. And like, I don't know what they're all gung-ho about, about like converting people people like just let him be like how would you want to be converted from what you believe in and it's not even like it's an attempt to like save his soul or anything like there's no moralistic reason behind it other than <laughs> we're gonna get his jewishness out of him yeah it's just like he really cares and believes about this we we don't want him to have that anymore so antonio and the gang go to thank nerissa and portia the clerk and the scholar for their great work for going way too far for some reason and the only thing that these two will accept as payment is the wedding rings bassanio and graziano's wedding rings and there's a whole thing with the rings oh my god this thing with the rings goes on way too long too long they spend so long convincing them to give them the rings and then when they all get back to belmont they're like hey where are your rings do you not love us anymore we won't let you back in our marriage beds until you get the rings back and the guys are like oh this is so sad we'll never get the rings back and then they're like oh we have the rings here are the rings they're like why do you have the rings they're like because we slept with the clerk and the scholar for some 
some reason. We found them somehow and we slept with them and we got the rings. And they're like, oh no, we're cuckolds. Because that makes sense as a story. And then Portia and Nerissa take so long to reveal that they were the clerk and the scholar, even though their husbands should have known the whole time. Like, tell me you live in a place that's uneventful without <laughs> telling me you live in a place that's uneventful. <laughs> where you have to make up this entire story to one, get out of Belmont. Two, save your husband's friend's life. Three, steal from your husband something you told him. Please never lose this. Because that's that was a whole thing. Like, they were told, like, never give this up on your life. Like, you need to keep this ring forever. It's a symbol of our ever eternal love. And then you come back and you toy with your husband. Like, tell me you're bored. It's such a long scene for no reason. And it's such a bad first impression for these women to give to Antonio, who they presumably want to make a good impression on. And they're like, haha, we're just gonna like say that we cheated on our husbands in front of their new friend that they just brought home for the first time. <laughs> like, what, a, what an awkward situation for everyone in the room. It's like when you go to a dinner party and like the hosts are arguing. Yes. And you're just like, I'm gonna eat my peas and my potatoes and then I'm gonna go home. <laughs> well, I guess I'm gonna look at the time. It's already 6.30. I'm gonna head out, I guess. Bye-bye, we have to go. <laughs> so all's well for our Christian characters and poor Shylock is just way worse off than he started and everything oh, is terrible. The best part of this is Antonio's ships are fine. Are they actually? Mm-hmm. Why? They were like, I don't know, something stupid happened with them. Like they were lost, but they weren't. Miscommunication, they didn't have the internet. Mm, no radios. No radios. No telegram. No telegrams. Do we have any thoughts on these characters? Gosh. Okay, so I think Shylock is a very strong character. Yeah. He had like way more complexity than I would expect. For a caricature? It's like Shakespeare got so close to the point. Yeah. And then just missed it entirely. Yeah. Part of me is like, are we missing a part of this play? Yeah. Because like Shylock, like he's a well-constructed character for a caricature. Like he has all of these convictions about anti-Semitism, which is really fun. Yeah. The convictions, not the anti-Semitism, obviously. Yes. The convictions are fun. Yeah. And he has like this traumatic backstory of like his wife Leah being dead and his daughter leaving him and like all this sadness and he's like he's been used and abused by these people and like yeah he has super weird terms but like let's be real he probably never expected the ships to not make it yeah it was an empty threat at best and then he was like well I have an opportunity to get back at my bully and like fair yeah he makes some great points about injustice so we know he feels really strongly about it and then he gets the opportunity to take his revenge and you know he's gonna take it. I know I'm more forgiving of ruthless fictional characters than I would be of like real people in real life. Mm -hmm. Hence my thoughts on Montresor from the Casco of Montiato from our episode yeah. three. Oh, we were babies. Yeah. <laughs> when our audio quality was way worse. Yeah. But uh, I just, I would want to get revenge on Antonio too. Yeah. And he is very ruthless and it is jarring to see him like sharpening his knife in front of this shirtless dude who he's going to stab in the heart. But also like someone wrote him to be like that. Mm -hmm. Shakespeare had a choice to make him a more complex character and not a stereotype. And he chose to write a stereotype. Yeah. So when we see the revenge on Shylock, mm -hmm. it's revenge on Shylock in the play, but it's also like gross wish fulfillment of the audience seeing the punishment that they 
would find fitting for the stereotype of Jewish people that their culture has created in their heads for the past 300 years and these people have never met. Yeah, it's like, oh, so Jewish people are like this and therefore they have to convert. That's the only way that we can have them in our society and that's why they're not here. Yes, it's like fan pandering. Yeah. If the fans were the Church of England. Yeah. Also, speaking of that, R.I.P. Jessica's character because the only reason Jessica is in the play at all is to show that Shakespeare thinks that a good person who is Jewish would just convert and not be Jewish anymore because Jessica's the ideal good character that he's created. Which happens a lot with people he names Jessica beside the point. But like Jessica was like a good character, you know, she was a daughter, whatever. And then she just becomes this guy's property. Mm -hmm. Like she goes from not being able to have property to being property, which is the faith of most women in this time. But like, I'm still annoyed by it. It's very annoying. And I don't know how strongly she felt about her religion. Apparently not very, but she just like gave that up super quickly. Which is super weird because Judaism is like a matrilineal line. So like the way that the religion passes down is through like women. Mm -hmm. So like if your mom's Jewish, you become Jewish. Interesting. Yeah. So like if you have like a Jewish mom and like a, you know, agnostic father or whatever, chances are you will be Jewish because your mom is Jewish. The other way around doesn't necessarily equate. Interesting. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I'll fact check this and let you know, but that's what we learned in our religion class. Okay. So yeah, she's just like, who cares about that? Because, you know, she's a character that Shakespeare wrote. How do we feel about Threedle Dumb? <laughs> Lorenzo Graziano and Bassanio. Um, oh no, 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 no. Oh no, no, no. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno. You know, I think, I think they're just dumb. I, I agree. They're like our foolish youth characters. Yeah, they're like the, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, you haven't read Romeo and Juliet. I've not yet, but we will. There are these characters and they're as dumb as this. Anybody else will understand. They're just, they don't know what's going on. They're totally up in the clouds. Bassanio's like, oh, I'll just borrow money and get married and stuff. Yeah. Graciano's like, I will marry someone I've known for two seconds. Lorenzo's like, this woman showed up and wants to marry me and convert? Sure. Yeah. They're all just like, yeah, whatever, let's get laid. Yeah, basically. They're the whatever, let's get laid crew. They're literally the only reason this is a fucking comedy. Yeah, because certainly it's not the scene with the rings. No, like the comedies have weddings and this they're the only reason that this is considered a comedy and not a fucking tragedy. Yeah. Shakespeare comedies have to end in a marriage and this is the marriage. This is the marriage. So technically it's a comedy. Yeah. Portia and Nerissa. Ugh. So Nerissa, I'm like, whatever, you're a lady's maid. Like, you don't have a lot, a lot in life. Whatever, do what you need to do. Fine. Portia, I feel like Portia had a controlling father. Fine. And then Portia saw that she could control and it went to her head. Yeah, like she's smart, but she's also kind of evil. Yeah, she's conniving. Yes. Which I don't like. I don't like that in any character, really. But I don't like it because like she pushes it so far and it doesn't need to. She really just has no reason to do that except just being rude. Like, she could have stopped at, like, you don't get no money. Yeah. That would have been enough. She could have stopped at you do get money. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares if he gets the 6,000 ducats? She's freaking loaded. Yeah. And I find that she's using this facade of the scholar to get away with things that a man normally would. That's fine. Like, that's an interesting gender play. I'll give that to Shakespeare. But of all the cross-dressers, of which there are many. In Shakespeare. In classic literature. So many of them have different agencies. And a 
lot of them are just like trying to survive. Portia's not trying to survive. No. She was trying to save someone. She's trying to save Antonio, but then she's ready to ruin someone else at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And she doesn't need to do it to save Antonio. She's already saved Antonio. Yeah. Antonio's saved. That was enough. But she keeps going because this man is Jewish. Portia's racist. Portia's a real anti-Semite here. I actually really like Nerissa because Nerissa has no time for Portia. True. And I'm here for it. Portia's like, oh, I'm sad. And Nerissa's like, yeah, you should be sad if your misery was as great as your fortunes. <laughs> Nerissa's like, you're rich. Stop. Oh, wow. If only you could buy happiness. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> Like, Nerissa, oh, I have a hot take. Nerissa's the millennial trying to buy a house and Portia's the boomer. <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, you know, like, inflation's so bad. And Nerissa's like, oh yeah, it must be so hard in your house. That's paid off and appreciated 300%. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a lot of, like, Nerissa has no time for this class system classism she has no time for classism and she has no time for the upper class and i'm here for it because i also have no time for portia and yeah and you you might be saying like well then why did she work for them because she had to because she had to the same way that we have to work for corporations today the same way that shylock had to be a money lender yeah there were not a lot of choices for women either no like nerissa's lucky for the job that she has yeah antonio he the play makes him seem so like gracious and gentle and generous like oh I'll give anything for my friend here's all my credit I'll sign my life away but what we hear from Shylock is the exact opposite of that so he only treats some people that way and that's Mm -hmm. awful yeah he's he's the classic like rich boy with daddy's business (laughs) yeah you know it's a write-off it's fine who's like super popular among his friends and his friends are like oh he's so cool he's such a good friend and then he treats everyone else like garbage yeah but he's also a dumbass because like why would you tie up all your assets and then literally sign your life away? Because he thinks he's invincible. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's invincible and he's not. That's true. And, you know, he's just the catalyst of this play and he's like a very annoying one. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of personality besides being like, oh, yes, I will loan you my money. Oh, you said I spit on your face? Well, I guess I did that. I guess. He's literally a block. Like, you could just carry Antonio around. Like, replace Antonio with a block and Bassanio is just like, yeah, um, so I have this block. Can I have money? And Shylock's <laughs> like, yeah, but I'll cut off a corner of your block if you don't pay me back. And it's just like, okay, cool. Me and my block will go now. And then it's like, Portia comes around and she's like, oh, my husband really likes this block. I really need to make sure the block stays intact. What if the block gets cut? My partner will be so sad. And then they go to, to the court and in a stupid ass fashion, Portia's like, oh, don't cut the block. Also, please change your religion. Thanks. Yeah, Antonio could have like no lines in this play and it would be basically the same play. Like Antonio could literally just be like in brackets, flashes money. (laughs) Just like flashes American Express. Not a sponsor. Here, borrow my credit. Yeah. Flashes American Express. So final thoughts. Is it a racist play? Yes. Yeah. It is. No counterpoints. No, it has like redeeming speeches about anti-Semitism that could say something, but it dances around the topic too much. Yeah. And it's couched in all this really bad messaging. It's like a story about like slavery in America and there's one white character that's not a complete asshole. Yeah. It's still about slavery in America. Yeah. And like supportive of it. It's a supportive of anti-Semitism play. Is it a good play though? Poignant pause. I think 
think I think it's well constructed. Yeah. In the sense of like you have the intrigue of will they won't they be able to pay back the loan? There's a historical aspect to it that's kind of interesting. Like the cross dressing is interesting because that's always interesting. Like the drag dressing up and whatever, that's fun. Mm-hmm. The dressing up as somebody who, you know, has so much power is also interesting because usually they dress usually as like lower class people. So it's kind yeah. of interesting to have that. Um that she doesn't like stoop down to like another level like a scholar like a lawyer is still something that's pretty important in society i think you know it try as it might it does have a somewhat diverse cast of characters and it has a funny bit about the rings like it's a stupid bit about the rings but it's kind of funny because like i kind of like the three stupidos to kind of <laughs> get it you know like that's yeah you're a dumbass it has some genuinely funny moments like when narissa gave portia attitude i genuinely laughed out loud yeah and when they were making fun of the suitors and the suitor was like oh I'll choose the silver that says I'll get what I deserve because I deserve Portia and he pulls out a fool's head and he's like oh I came with one fool's head and I'm leaving with two classic you see like that's the thing like people talk about the Merchant of Venice it's not a play that you don't talk about it's not love's labor's lost yeah you know like it's not one of those random plays that's never been made into a movie like it's been made into a recent rather good movie because it has an interesting plot to give it's just it's super anti-semitic yes also the movie gives better context and it's like yeah there was a lot of anti-semitism and Jewish people had to live in the ghetto and if they wanted to leave the ghetto they had to put on a red hat and they weren't allowed to leave at night and stuff and that's all that's going on and then it shows like the Christian people being really racist to them and throwing them in the river and stuff and Antonio being terrible so like you can see where the bitterness is coming from it's just Shakespeare wrote Shylock so he has to take it like a million notches too far yeah I think the play is itself medium rare however the modern adaptations that take the question of the anti-semitism like and actually elaborate on it in a way that we understand it now yeah gives it a lot of staying power i think is what it is yes and it's also like pretty entertaining to watch yeah it's not hamlet no it doesn't drag on like hamlet it's a quick play it's a very quick play yes which is nice it reminds me kind of of macbeth because it's quick it's snappy it's not particularly funny but it's got funny moments yeah so amy Mm. on a scale of three thousand ducats to three shipwrecks what would you rate this play i'm thinking those little gondolas in Venice. Okay. So like not as good as 3,000 ducats, you know, uh-huh. like it's not tip top shape and not as good as like not fully sunken super immersion ships because that would also be okay. And like sunken ships would be not okay. But like the gondolas, they, you know, they get you to where you need to be. They're kind of like kitschy you know they're kind of twee <laughs> they're twee um some people really like them some people don't and that's okay and you know they're there for show and i think you know shylock was there for show yeah i get that rating i'm down with that rating so that was us and that was merchant of venice and uh shakespeare was racist in conclusion big surprise shocking revelation so if you want to talk to us about this play or any other play or book or poem or whatever just send us pictures of your pets we love to see it the word you're looking for is literary work literary works you can do so on twitter or instagram at unsighted pod and we don't have an email 
because we don't want one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Good Pods or one of those apps that lets you rate podcasts, why not just hit that little five star button while you're at it, which just is a little five star bling, and then we get five stars and that's fun for us. If you're not and you're super keen, you can also rate us five stars on Podchaser and leave us a fun review. We read all of them and we smile and we send them to each other. And thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited, unavailable. Oh gosh, you're so loud. Let me turn you down for a second. <laughs> no, I will not be turned down. Okay. I can't be tamed.